Hello, ghouls, and welcome to Brave the Basement. I'm your host, Ghoul That Rules. I'm your co-host, Black One Jack Two. If you enjoy getting a little scared, ghost stories, haunted houses, believer in the supernatural, or maybe even a skeptic wanted to look at things from a different perspective, then this is the show for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Ed's Barbershop. Ed's Barbershop is located at 210 Lane Street, North Judson, Indiana. So if you enjoy getting your hair cut from a hometown barber with that old-fashioned feel, then dial 574-896-3344 and schedule your appointment today. Hey, Blackjack, how's it going? Uh, I just want to say this. It feels so much better to be back in our controlled environment. No more pop, uh, choking, or fire in the eyes, or ghost. Yeah, so the last two weeks, uh, we were... Not in the studio. Uh, two weeks ago, we went to Moody's Light on a ghost hunt. I uh, had a good time. That was a really good episode. And then uh, last week, we recorded the episode at the at a campsite and uh, just had a good time. Um, last week's episode was kind of funny because right in the middle of trying to read a story on the same cell phone that I'm trying to record on, the smoke moved Got right into my eyes, and you can hear it when I get into the second campfire story. I'm having a real hard time reading it because I, I can't see very well. So I had to end up moving and still trying to read. And then uh, towards the end of the episode, uh, Blackjack gets choked up on his Coca-Cola. And did it come out of your nose, Blackjack? Yes, it did. Came right out of his nose. You can hear him uh, in the background just suffering back there. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, we're back in the studio and today we're going to be talking about a witch that got kicked out of an Indiana town. I believe it was in 1938. 1938? Yes. So, less than 100 years well, ago. I, I, was, I was about like, are you sure maybe it was 1838 or? No. 1938. 1938, wow. yeah. So, we're going to dive into this. Uh, at the very beginning of this article, uh, it's talking about the Salem witch trials. Um, and then it goes into this story. So, in the spring of 1692, see, you got me all messed up on my dates already, Blackjack. I, I, yeah. I messed it all up. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, 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 it seems weird. We're going so, 1900. In the spring of 1692, a small village in Massachusetts was swept with a hysteria that started after a group of young girls accused several local women of participating in witchcraft and forging packs with the devil. That hysteria, of course, would lead to the infamous Salem witch trials, and in the following months, approximately 150 people would face witchcraft accusations. Over 20 of those would be found guilty and put to the gallows. 246 years later, newspapers across the country would once again run headlines including words like witch, hex, and spells, and yet another woman's life would be ruined due to accusations of witchcraft. On May 11, 1938, Irene Ray and her husband Charles were driven from the town of Rochester, Indiana due to allegations that Irene was practitioner of witchcraft and had hexed several town folk. It was alleged that her hexes had caused personal property damage, serious illness, and even death. Irene and Charles had moved to the town six years prior to this unfortunate episode along with their daughter. And a cat. Doesn't all witches always have a cat? Is it black? Because I don't know. It doesn't say. Black, a black cat with green eyes. Always. 
What could have happened in the intervening years that would cause the townspeople to call for her removal? When the family moved to Rochester, they settled in a shack on the outskirts of town. One article in the Logansport Tribune even claims that the couple were forced from the nearby, nearby town of Plymouth, Indiana, before finding themselves in rather dire circumstances in Rochester. I would have stopped right there for a moment. There was a rumor that there was another witch in Plymouth, and this Irene uh, would practice witchcraft along with this other person, and the rumor is that she was kicked out of Plymouth and moved to Rochester. Soon, they applied for and were giving relief or welfare support. They were placed in a house on Auburn Street, where their neighbors soon came to resent them. There were seen as outsiders who were living off the tax money of the citizens of Rochester, who, although themselves poor, did not apply for relief. It may be that Irene herself started the rumors of witchcraft as a way to scare people away from her, relieving the family from taunts and other attacks. No matter how the rumors started, soon they spread like wildfire. At first, the townsfolk merely murmured about the witch, but after the sudden illness of Georgia Knight Conrad, those murmurs became shouts. Irene had been trying to purchase some antiques from Georgia and had made several visits to her house to pressure the 24-year-old into selling them. On one of these visits, it is said that Irene slipped into Georgia's bedroom and plucked some hairs from her brush. When leaving, Irene pronounced, You'll be sorry soon. That evening, Georgia fell into a faint and was soon diagnosed as having a leaking heart valve. It wasn't long before the family connected the dots. Another alleged victim of Mrs. Ray was Chief of Police Clay Sheets. After the chief oversaw the removal of Irene's granddaughter from her home due to charges against the morals of the household, newspapers reported that Dancing with Rage Irene screamed, You are just a tool of that night woman, and you will be sorry too. A few days later, Chief Sheets died of what appeared to be a heart attack. In addition to human hearts, she was accused of hexing one man's crops. Mrs. Ray made a habit of taking a shortcut through a field owned by Mr. Friday Castle, who didn't appreciate the, the alleged witch trespassing on his property. When he confronted her, she ran her eyes back and forth over the patch until they had covered every inch of it. Then, she said, it won't make a bit of difference now whether anybody walks on it or not. According to Castle, no potatoes sprouted that spring. Other accusations included Mrs. Ray inducing insomnia, nervous indigestion, fires, floods, and more. The alleged methods of hexing range from using voodoo dolls to taking hairs of the victim, intertwining them with hairs from her cat, placing them in vinegar, and burying them. It was also said that she consulted a more powerful witch from Plymouth, which is what I was talking about earlier. When the hex she wanted to perform was above her ability, this consulted would chew a dime into somewhat the shape of a nail to drive it into a dead tree. 
By blows of the horny heel of his palm, the victim would surely drop dead as soon as the magician had time to say three times, Black Jack of Barricat, Hominy Domini Corpse. Whoa, 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 whoa. Black Jack, hang on. Yep. Hang on, it's my name with some scary... I didn't even know this guy. Yeah, hang so on. Black Jack of Barricat, Hominy Domini Corpse. The allegations against Irene Ray mounted, and the police were increasingly pressured to charge her with witchcraft. Fortunately, unlike Salem, Massachusetts in 1692, Indiana had no laws against witchcraft. The state did have vagrancy laws, in essence making it illegal to be homeless. Irene was charged with vagrancy and arrested, only to be released when she promised the new chief of police that she and her family would leave town. So, uh, before I finish this article, there is a telegram that, uh, it, it's not quite clear who it's from and who it's to, but it is, uh, a telegram about her being driven out of town. It says, a witch driven out of town, Rochester, Indiana, a modern witch was driven from the town today and told not to return. She is Mrs. Irene Ray, 60. Believed by many persons in town to have the powers of hexing, officials said that they told the woman to leave town because some people complained that they were afraid of her powers, and also because they considered her generally undesirable. Although Irene denied the accusations against her, saying the whole thing is wrong, I can't do anything like that, she and her husband Charles moved from the town and settled near Monotau Lake. The story of a witch being accused, being, I'm sorry, the story of a witch being driven from town spread across the country and appeared in newspaper headlines from California to New York. Most were skeptical of the allegations and cast the whole affair in a grim light. In many of the articles, it is mentioned that Irene was an American Indian descendant, although Irene admits that she wasn't sure if this was accurate. The inclusion of this fact, along with the fact of her alleged consultant was African American, suggests that the incident was as much about race as it was about the financial situation of the family. Just six months later, Irene was hit by a car and died from the injuries. The accusations of witchcraft would outlive the alleged witch. In every article about the accident, her death takes a backseat to the story of her being forced out of Rochester as a witch. Later, when her daughter petitioned to have her stepfather declared of unsound mind, the headline focused on the fact that he was the widower of Rochester's noted witch woman. It is safe to say now that Irene Ray was no witch, but rather a woman whose neighbors disliked and resentment ran so deep that they convinced themselves that she was at the root of their problems. So before I say anything else, I found her obituary. And I want to read this first, Blackjack, before I get your thoughts on any of this. And then I'll tell you my thoughts on this. So here's her uh, obituary. Mrs. Irene Ray, age 62, was instantly killed, and her husband, and this is what's funny, was they said her husband was Charles, and in an obituary, says Lewis. 
uh, was instantly killed, and her husband, Louis Ray, 65, was seriously injured when they were struck by a car driven by Ms. May Kern of Athens at 5.15 o'clock Friday afternoon. The accident occurred one mile east of Rochester and Road 14 midway between the One Horse Grocery and the home of the Rays, which in the other days was known under the name of the farm. The accident occurred while Mr. and Mrs. Ray were walking to their home after a shopping trip to Rochester, and Ms. Kern, bookkeeper in a local elevator, was on her way to her home in Athens. Witness stated that the Rays were walking on the south side of the road while traveling east and were not facing traffic as they should have been under Indiana state law, but were walking with the same. At the time, a blinding rainstorm was in progress, which obstructed Mrs. Kern's view of the road. Ms. Kern was watching a child riding a bicycle and was attempting to avoid striking a youngster when an accident occurred. First persons on the scene were James Copland, Simon Bailey, George Ream, Harry Allison, and Mr. and Mrs. Otto Weimer. They found that Mrs. Ray had been killed instantly and called an ambulance to have Mr. Ray moved to the Woodlawn Hospital. It was found that Mrs. Ray's death had been caused by a fractured skull, a severed limb, and other injuries. Mr. Ray suffered a fractured skull it was found after an examination at the hospital. Mr. Ray's condition is considered critical, but doctors believe that he will survive. Up until today, he has not regained consciousness, but spent a restful night. Ms. Kern collapsed after the accident and was taken to her home in Athens. She has been placed under the care of a doctor. Dr. Dean Stinson, County Coroner and Sheriff Lester King made an investigation of the accident and obtained statements from witnesses. The inquest probably will be held as soon as exact condition of Mr. Ray has been determined. Mr. and Mrs. Ray moved to this city from Plymouth in 1933. Mr. Ray has been on WPA as a laborer most of the time since his arrival in this city. He is a native of Norton, Virginia. Survivors are the husband, daughters, Mrs. Martin Carter of this city, a grandson, Rex Cunningham of Wabash, brother Joseph Tedrow, Bourbon, five half-brothers who reside in Battle Creek, Michigan, and a sister who lives in South Bend. The funeral services will be held from the Foster Funeral Home and West 6th Street at 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon with Reverend James Call of the Church of God officiating. Interment will be made in a cemetery at Bremen. And that is from the New Sentinel from Rochester, Indiana, on November 5th, 1938. So what do you think is going on here, Blackjack? You think that this is a witch? What do you think about her death? I mean, what, what do you think? Uh, I, uh, you know, let's, let's be honest. Uh, do I believe there's witches out there? Yes. Do I think this young lad, well, Lattice? Well, she's in her 60s. Not young Lattice or whatever. Uh, well, I don't think she was a uh, a, a witch. You're saying no, so you think everything that happened was just coincidental? Yeah. So what I found very interesting was, you know, you could chalk a lot of these things up as coincidental. But when I started reading about her actual death in the obituary, a few things kind of struck me as odd. 
So the first thing that struck me was it seemed like they were making excuses for the driver of the car. Didn't want to hit a young. Okay, so, but they said that there was a blinding rainstorm. What was the kid doing out on a bicycle in a blinding rainstorm? Who knows? Yeah. You kind of overlook that one, right? Like, oh, man, it was a rainstorm. Couldn't see. Oh, well, there's a kid on a bike. Had to dodge a kid on a bike. And I'm not, and then if it was a blinding rainstorm, then how is there so many eyewitnesses that seen the whole thing? I don't know. So, I mean, so the question remains is, did somebody hex her back? Was getting her to leave town not good enough? But what was another thing that was interesting is if you read that obituary closely, it said that they were walking home from shopping, but they went shopping in Rochester. And they weren't supposed to be in Rochester. In Rochester, and they died in Rochester. Well, just outside of Rochester. Uh, now, the one thing I think that kind of saves the driver from being and uh, not guilty of trying to just murder somebody was she was from Athens, so she was from a completely different town. Had uh, that driver been from Rochester, then I think that you you'd have a completely different situation. When I first heard about Irene Ray and I started reading this, I was like, well, these are just coincidences. The death was a little too weird and just didn't add up to me. It almost sounds like there's some hexing going on. Or just protecting the driver. I mean, I mean, think about this. Why would I protect someone that I just banned? That is a good point. Why would I just protect someone I just banned from my own town? I mean... So I'd have full support of the the driver if I was. You think that they were like, eh, she hit her, and yeah, that's the woman we kicked out of town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a possibility as well, too. I mean, politics could could play a big part in that, especially back in 1938. But uh, the thing that I find most fascinating about the story is, you know, the Salem witch trials was what in the 1600s. And it, it's crazy that the fact that even to the 1930s, uh, being as modern as it, as it was, it, that there was still these witch trials, witch, witch trials that were going on. So we need to raise this question up to the ghouls. What do you think's going on here? You think this is a witch? Do you think that these are just coincidences? Uh, do, what do you think of witchcraft in general? Me, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sold that it is a witch, but I'm not a hundred percent sold that it isn't a witch uh, at the same time. And speaking of witches, uh, next week, as long as we don't end up going on a ghost hunt between now and then, and something really cool happening, our our immediate plan is uh, we're doing a whole trilogy of witches. So we're going to talk about uh, the witch of Delray uh, next week, and then uh, we're going to end it with uh, the Salem witch trials. We're going to talk about that. And, um, so yeah, let us know your thoughts. If you believe in witchcraft, if you think that she was a witch, wasn't a witch, whatever you think is going on here. And, uh, before we get out of here, Blackjack, uh, I kind of want to talk to everybody about something a little serious today. Um, Blackjack and I have been helping out our local band boosters. Um, so what, what's happening is because due to COVID-19, um, they haven't been able to raise any money and do any fundraising at, at the school level. 
And uh, another sad portion of that is because of so many kids are now uh, doing online classes and not going to school, the, the numbers in schools are down. So that means that these schools are getting less money from the state. So we've been uh, working with some local uh, businesses trying, trying to get people to uh, donate money to their local band program. And so what we'd like to ask the ghouls out there to do is support your local school. Call, check on them, say, hey, uh, you know, I, I see that your band's coming back and uh, how you guys doing fundraising? Would you, would you like a donation? A donation of $10, donations. $20 Volunteer goes a long way. to help out. I mean, just the small things can help out uh, these programs because these programs are meant for these kids that really want to do these things. But because of COVID-19 and because of things this year that's happened, these kids cannot do these programs. And it's really sad to see. And uh, you, and, and it just doesn't go along with, with, a, with a high school band. Uh, this is, you know, your local sports, uh, your little league, um, places like that. Um, so if you're fortunate enough where you're in a position where you could help out your, your local school, go ahead and give them a hand. So if you'd like to become a Brave the Basement ghoul, be sure to share the show on social media. Go to bravedebasement.weebly.com and sign up for our newsletter to get all the latest news and updates when each episode has been posted. If you have a ghost story you would like to share with us, you can reach us at bravedebasement at gmail.com. Your story can make it on the show and be featured on the website. You can also submit your story on, the, on Reddit under the subreddit Brave the Basement or in the YouTube comment section. If you have an eerie ghost photo you would like to share, please email us. Include a description and your photo could be added to our photo gallery. And that brings us to the end. We hope that we brought you just a little fright. And remember when you're up late at night and you hear something in the other room that just doesn't seem right. It's okay if you need to turn on the light to protect yourself from things that go bump in the night. I'm your host, the Ghoul That Rules. I'm your co-host, Black One Jack 2. And I hope you join us again. Until next time. <laughs>